Hey, it's Kelly from Zinimi. Before we start this next episode, I have a quick question for you. How do you feel about being subpoenaed in your private practice? If you have any fear, sense of dread, or worry, you are not alone. Please join us for our upcoming training with Nicole Stoller-Peterson on mastering your subpoena process in private practice. It's going to be an amazing training to help build your confidence, to help you serve your clients better, and to take out the guesswork when it comes to being subpoenaed in your private practice. All you need to do is go to zinnime.com and check out the training there. You will also get a recording if you sign up. We can't wait to see you there. Hey everybody, welcome to the Starting a Counseling Practice podcast. Today, we're gonna be talking about websites for therapists. How therapists, just like you, have built websites, sometimes with great success and sometimes with like little hiccups along the way. We're diving under the, under the hood of the decisions they made and why and what's worked really well and their advice to you as another therapist in private practice. Today, I have Erica with us, someone that I've gotten to like hug in human form in person that I call a friend and that I adore. Um, She's here to share her journey of a website. So Erica, do you wanna tell them a little bit about your practice and where you're located? Sure. So I have a group practice. We focus on couples therapy and fertility counseling and working with postpartum clients. And I'm in League City, Texas, which is like a suburb of Houston. So we're pretty close. Awesome. And you want to share your web address? Centerforcouplescounseling.com. Awesome. (laughs) Okay. So (laughs) when did you um, build your first website? My very first website was in 2015. Okay. So solo practice. As for your solo practice in 2015. Awesome. And what did you know before you started your website? Like what did you kind of come in knowing about websites before that? Or were you just starting from scratch at that point? Yeah, literally nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Literally nothing. Okay. And what was your process for choosing um, your platform? What platform did you initially build on? Well, I started on Squarespace. And so I did that basically following uh, Zinnime's free trainings. <laughs> so, um, I was working a contract job, working like a million hours and seeing a million clients. So I'd already made the decision to go into private practice from there. And I knew I was going to be doing boot camp. Uh, but even before boot camp was running and it was structured a little bit differently then. So I was waiting for that to start. So I was doing all the free trainings. And then um, there was one on setting up your website and that sort of thing. And so looked like Squarespace was like the easiest place to just go in and kind of plug things in. It's like, they do a lot of it for you. So it was like, okay, that's the answer. <laughs> that's the awesome. And as you started getting it set up, were you a tech savvy person or not a tech savvy person? Like what did that process just technically look like and feel like for you? I would say like somewhere in the middle or maybe slightly more towards the tech savvy person. So I don't know all the newest things and um, I'm not up to date on the latest of technology, but I can figure it out and I can play with it enough to, to put all the pieces together. 
And so as you started putting the pieces together, what was the most surprising part for you? I would say formatting the actual pages to look how I wanted them to look in my brain. (laughs) They didn't look that way um, when I was trying to like move things around. And I really discovered that uh, without having additional knowledge that I just didn't have and I wasn't willing to obtain, that I was just not going to have it look exactly how I wanted it to or kind of um, highly functional, I guess, in this other creative way. Yeah. I think this is one of the, the big shifts for people even people with who have technical knowledge is realizing that the visual, the visual, there are sort of, I don't want to say limitations, but it's different mm-hmm. because we're doing something with our websites that are very responsive. So if we made a website that looked exactly the same on a 20 inch, 20 inch screen on an iPad and on an iPhone, like if it looked exactly the same, then on the iPhone, you literally couldn't read it. <laughs> like it would be like so small and tiny. And so it's this weird sort of thing in responsive design, which has um, come up over the last several years where everything has kind of shifted and changed as people have moved more to mobile apps, where there's a lot more of understanding the like, oh, this might be on two lines, you know, this heading might be on two lines and like, here are the things that I can control and here are the things that I can't and finding that, that middle balance place. Um, I think that's definitely something for people that are very visual, visually oriented, because it's not the same as like painting a picture or putting something on the wall or printing out a Microsoft Word letter where you know everyone's getting the same piece of paper everywhere. It's different. You know, and I think I kind of had that in my brain that it was going to be more like Canva where I could just put everything in its place where I wanted it. And, you know, when you're building it, Squarespace is like, no, it needs to go in this block. <laughs> and that's where. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, and part of the reason that it has those in the blocks is so that it can move the blocks around and do the things based on the responsive design. Although in 2015, that probably wasn't completely true. 2015, there was a lot more limitations than there are now. Yes. And there used to be where you could click and see what it, what is it going to look like on a phone and what is it going to look like on an iPad? And you could, you could play with it, but it wasn't, it wasn't great. Yeah, it was not great. And I think that's definitely something that's changed over the, over the years. Some things have gotten a little better, some things a little bit worse, but I think that's across all website builder platforms. Mm -hmm. Um, WordPress the same. Uh, I don't think you've ever played in WordPress, but that can, that can be a whole experience. <laughs> There's not even any like, what is this going to look like? You're like, I don't understand what's happening here at all. Yeah. Okay. So how did you work through that piece of like the, the visual limitations um, to like get to the other side so that you could start to put something out into the world? Um, radical acceptance. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, in a lot of ways, yes. Um, or I had things that I looked, I thought looked visually interesting. And then I would kind of get feedback like, oh, that's really hard to see. Or, um, you know, we need more white space and dark words. And, you know, this is just the way it should be. And that's gonna, that's what's gonna make it uh, user-friendly. And so, you know, I had to kind of accept that idea that if I want it to be something that most people would find accessible, then I needed to make some changes that weren't necessarily my preference. Yeah, I think that, I do forget about that sometimes. And, but I give that feedback to therapists all the time of like, oh, that's really, that's really tiny. Or like that, 
beautiful like yellow font on that purple background like doesn't work for everyone's I think we all have the what they say that we have different cones in our eyes like the number of cones some people can really see a different contrast level than other humans and so you end up with these pieces and then we also have I mean I've learned a lot over the last 10 years about making websites that are more uh, accessible to people with vision um, disparities as well and, and vision differences. Um, and so there's just, there's so many things <laughs> that we learn over time. <laughs> okay, so you started doing the radical acceptance about the look and coming up with something that was like as accessible to, to most people. What about the writing of the website? Tell me about that process of actually creating the content. Um, well, same thing. So I went through some of the free trainings that y'all have, and then um, bootcamp really helped, I think, solidify that and get feedback um, directly on the pages. So being able to, I think, speak to the pain points for the clients, being able to use more, I guess, accessible or common language, things that clients would understand yeah. and like tapping into that emotional connection for them. So I think I'm naturally a good writer or storyteller, but I think yes. having a structure for it, it was helpful. Yeah, no, uh, you're an excellent writer. Um, but yeah, if you if you want to check out some amazing blogging and someone that just has writing that draws you in, definitely check out Erica's website. She has wonderful, that. wonderful examples. I think that's the piece too. I think sometimes, I think sometimes it's almost like harder in some ways when you are a writer and when you have like an idea of what you want to kind of convey or a story that you want to tell or a format that you're used to writing in to like write in this other format in a way that's going to speak to clients. Sometimes initially it can be like jarring. Um, yeah, I think it was a lot of shifts at the beginning because I think my inclination was to write storytelling type style of writing. And then um, before I was doing the trainings, which everybody should do the trainings if you haven't yet. Um, I then just went onto a bunch of other websites. So I was just doing like, I don't know, market research, I guess, and just like going on to um, everybody's website that I could find, right? And a lot of those were, you know, I do CPT and I'm Gottman and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so I was like, oh, this is what a therapy website is supposed to be. Even though I was having a visceral reaction to it myself of like, this website is terrible. <laughs> Isn't that funny? But I think that's such a common thing, right? It's like, I don't connect with this, but this is a successful person that I respect. So this must be the right way. And if exactly. I don't connect, I've seen like 12 of these, <laughs> oh yeah, like I'm a, it must be something wrong with me, not something wrong with them. <laughs> and then, right. It's just this natural thing that we do versus like, wait, no, I, at the very least, I want a website that if I was reading as a client that I'd be like, yes, I want to like work with this person. Exactly. <laughs> that makes yeah. sense. So um, then I feel like getting a structure through bootcamp, like that helped me kind of put the two together in a way that seemed more uh, palatable, I think. Yeah. Connecting to people and empathetic and all of those different pieces. Yeah. And then I think still drawing attention to how do, how do I help and how can I put that piece into words uh, in a way that a client can understand? Yeah. Tell me about that one. Cause that's where a lot of people get stuck is verbalizing how they help in lay terms. 
what were some of the strategies or, or, or ways that you were able to uncover or identify that for yourself? I feel like that was definitely a hard piece in that like as therapists, we're surrounded by other therapist friends and we speak therapy language. <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, I also listen to a lot of therapy podcasts. And so even lay people who are also following those podcasts, they, they sort of understand the terms and everything. So um, I think it was really backing it out and imagining like, what if I had no idea what this other person was talking about? Like, how do I want to feel? And I think the main thing was um, being able to convey trust that like, I have a plan. You don't need to know all the details of the plan, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. basically here's what we're going to do. Like this is, we're going to go from here to here. Yes. I think that place of like instilling confidence that we have a plan. I think that's the other thing that's really hard too, because I think we're, we're definitely taught like, don't make false promises. Um, you know, don't say too much. You, you don't really know without knowing them. You can't assess what you're going to do. And so then it ends up making it so vague that like, it sounds like we don't do anything. <laughs> and so it's this place of like, well, how do I, without making a false promise, without, um, uh, without trying to act as if I, I, I can make a diagnosis and assessment over here, um, without ever meeting the person, how do I like combat that with like, just being real and like, actually like saying like, Hey, here's what I do as a therapist. People come to me like this. And then when they're done, it's like this. And knowing that if a person comes to you, that's not a good fit for that, you're going to refer them out from the first moment. And if you start working with them and it's not working like, Hey, I I know my integrity, I'm going to change it up till it is, or I'm going to refer them out. Cause like, I'm not going to keep seeing them if it's not working. Like, isn't that enough? Like, <laughs> right. right? Like, well, then I feel like there's just some basic things we're going to put on there, right? Like I'm going to get to understand who both of you are and understand your backgrounds. And uh, we're going to learn how to talk about our needs. <laughs> you right? know, make it so complicated. I love that. I, I absolutely love that. Like, wait, it actually isn't that complicated. <laughs> I don't have to make some big grandiose pro- pro- um, promise. And in fact, what couples are like in your case, what couples are looking for is probably simpler than like what I might think I need to promise. They're like, Oh, we could just hear each other. Like for real, like for real, I might feel reconnected to this person again. Like I might be able to say like, Hey, here's what I need. And then like, set a boundary if I'm not getting that like really like that's I love that okay <laughs> so you to have, my minimalist roots right <laughs> just getting direct uh, or just getting down to the core of it mm-hmm. let's talk about that a little bit um <clears throat> because you have gone through different iterations of your website and different iterations of yourself right and you talk about your minimalist roots, but I don't know that you were a minimalist at your root when you started in business school, or maybe <laughs> you were, but you didn't know it. But I, I know you went through some of that transformation as part of that process and obviously transforming from a solo to a group practice. What were the things that you noticed as you made you know, personal transformation in terms of minimalism or as you moved from solo to group practice? What were the things that shifted 
in terms of how you presented yourself on your website? What, what did that feel like to be going back and making shifts um, to that online presence? Did it feel like, oh, I wish I hadn't done this before or did it get easier with each iteration or um, what did that look like? Yeah, I think it got easier as I was learning to do that in my personal life. And um, like, so I often write about and talk about how clutter is a barrier between you and your authentic self. So I feel like that shows up in our business and in our websites and in any way that we're choosing to present ourselves, right? So we can have like a million click-throughs and look at this cool thing and here's something shiny over here. And like, um, here's lots of banners and look at all the fun things that I do. And I think that those could all have a place, but I think the more that I realize, like, well, I can just be confident in what we're presenting here. And I don't think clients care as much as we think they care about stuff like that, right? Like they just really want to come to our website and see like, oh yeah, you know your shit, you know what you're talking about. Like, that's who I want to go to, you know? And so um, I think it became easier to sort of clean things up, take things off, edit, pull back, and just let the few things that are on the website now speak for themselves. Mm. And how have clients responded to that minimalism, that directness of approach and um, getting decluttered even from a web perspective? I, I don't know that I've gotten direct feedback about that. I, um, I feel like we do get a lot of feedback about just the, the ease of being able to schedule, finding what they need to find on the website, um, you know, seeing the team, seeing who everybody is, all of that's clearly laid out. You don't have to click through a million things. <laughs> so mm-hmm. uh, we've gotten feedback about that and just how easy it was to like make a decision on who they wanted, see the openings and just be able to schedule. Yeah. I think that's the piece is like when minimalism is done well, you don't notice that it's minimalism. You just <laughs> notice that it's easy. Yeah. Or like, or again, whether we call it a minimalist website, when a website is done well, it's almost like the website kind of fades into the background because it becomes more about the process of this happening, right? You're not thinking about <clears throat> probably like this is a random example, but like, I I couldn't tell you what the color scheme was of Poshmark, Mm. right? What I can tell you is that if I'm looking for, to to get another version of a shirt I already have, I can find it on Poshmark easily. Mm. So I can order a use from someone else because I'm like, I love this shirt and I need another one or I need it in a different size or a different color. And the store doesn't have it anymore. I know that if it's available, I'll probably find it on Poshmark. And like, it's like the, the function of it to me, like it, it's just like, oh, I get to do this thing. Right. Um, and I think that is something with our therapy websites, especially now, I think there's been more a pull towards people saying like, this shouldn't be hard. I shouldn't be playing phone tag in 2022. (laughs) You know, I should be able to schedule a console or a schedule an appointment or find the information that I need. It shouldn't be hard. It should be really simple. And it sounds like you've been able to create that for your clients. I think so. And I think being as transparent as, you know, I can be just right from the get-go because I know that was frustrating for me when I was looking for a therapist. Like if I couldn't find your fee, if I couldn't find your schedule or your general schedule, Mm-hmm. Uh, if I didn't know if you had openings or not, like yes. within first about 30 seconds of me looking at your website, then I just clicked off and went to the next one. Like I had a list of people and yeah. um, 
you know, and I think that's probably what other people are looking for too. You know, people want the information and want it accessible. Yeah. I think that's the piece too. And that's something that I remember at the very beginning, um, when I started teaching therapists how to build websites in holy moly, 2007, somewhere <laughs> around there in a minute. Um, I remember saying like, Oh, put your phone number on every single page, put your email on every single page. Um, make it as easy for people to like click through and contact you as possible. And now I'm like, send everybody your contact page. So your contact, so someone can click there and see I have openings or I'm full (laughs) in one spot so that you as a therapist can go in and in 30 seconds, you can update your website and your process, you know, so that people can, can know and that you can switch out your contact page for a newsletter page or what have you of like, Hey, we're full. Here's where we, we share openings. You can get on a newsletter. Here's what it's about. Um, and you can easily switch those back and forth. So you're not in this place of constantly reinventing the wheel and having to update it in 72 places, you know, on your website, which is what used to happen. Right. Even now, like, or like, you know, you change your phone number or whatever the information is or your address. Huh? I can't imagine having to go through, right? Because still in a lot of places. Yeah, it's still a lot of places. So to start to shift that, that's been a a change over the last couple of years um, that I've been like, nope, I don't want everyone to click on your phone number. I don't want them to call you unless they've looked at your contact page and that they know that they could schedule a consult with you, that they know what your fee is. Like, I don't want you wasting your time on the phone with people who haven't gone through that one. That funneling process. into like how we're, um, I guess, into our value proposition for our businesses too, right? Which is if we want to take care of our clients and we're trying to hold them and make everything as easy as possible for them, it starts even with that, right? Like, yeah, we don't want you to spend 20 minutes on the website if you don't have 20 minutes to spend. <laughs> no, one stop shop. Here's what you need to know. Here it is. Are we a good fit? You know, even the like headings we talk about. Um, you know, we can probably dig into a little bit to SEO stuff, but one of the things that they talk about with SEO is the use of headings and what, what terms are you using in the headings and Google looks at those headings as being like, that's some important information, right? So the idea is that the headings give a little bit more weight in terms of if a keyword is in there than just words that are in the text. And then Google uses this algorithm to like pull it all together. But I always, I always think about when I look down at the headings on an ATP or on a marketing message, if I was just to read the headings, would I know what you are about? Would that be your ATP in like small format, right? Here's the pain. Here's what you've been struggling with. Here's how I help. Here's your next step. If I scroll down that, would I get it? And then be able to click over here. And then, and then again, I have that little expansion of like, putting that into more details, but, but if I was that person, right, like you just going, I got 30 seconds, nay or nay, (laughs) scroll down. Oh yeah. looks good. Yep. They're taking clients. Cool. Now I might go back and read it. (laughs) That's exactly how I would do it. Right. Cause I was like, well, I don't want to spend all this time reading, reading through each therapist at the practice, trying to figure out which one I want to see if, you know, it's like $1,500 a session or something, (laughs) something I'm not going to do anyway. Right. But, or if they don't have openings. Like, yes. 
those are those are the two pieces and I, and even now with squarespace we can have a little banner over the top that says like we have openings or we are currently full click here to get on the on the list yes which i just updated the other day with weekend and evening openings so Ooh, get it girl that's pretty amazing right there <laughs> Um, what are other things that you have learned about websites over the years, specifically regarding like SEO and findability for your website? How has that, um, yeah, how has that learning curve been in terms of making sure your website's actually being seen by your ideal clients? Well, I think for the SEO piece, I had to, I guess, again, radical acceptance and surrender to your feedback when we were doing coaching and stuff. Um, because I'll be honest, like the headings and the, um, in the banners and stuff, like, I don't personally like that. It reads, you know, individual therapy in Lake city, Texas, da, 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 da. <laughs> you know, yeah. because it doesn't feel, um, it feels intentionally like you're putting keywords in there, which we are. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, but I just kind of had to get over like, okay, this is what we need to do to get the website found. And I don't think many people really care. Like it's not going to bother clients as much as bothering me. So you're like, I just wish it didn't have to be that way. Damn it, Google. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think there's an element of like, we understand how the framework works. Like we understand how Google works. And so why am I going to try to fight against that? <laughs> not going to help me. No, it doesn't. And I think that's the, uh, it's definitely a a process too, in terms of, but I saw this beautiful website that doesn't have any of those things. Well, we don't know on the back end, like, are they actually showing up? Are they getting calls? Are they mostly referral from like other people that know them? Are they coming up on their website? And sometimes if you've had a website for a really, really, really long time, there are certain times where it's like, oh, there's some established there where like Google's like, you know, the algorithm, the fact that they have a 20 year old website gives them a little more juice. um, And so they have to do less than somebody who's starting from scratch. Right. Um, So maybe they'll come a point in the future, Erica. Well, so (laughs) where we can make it look Where we can pull back on some of these keywords, <laughs> or maybe Google will change its algorithm. Who's to know? Right. I don't think so, but <laughs> all those pieces. Um, what kind of impact has your website made on expanding into a group practice and being able to um, hire and fill clinicians? I think it's been really good. So one of the things that you and I worked on was really taking me from being less the face of everything. And um, I mean, everything used to be only me. So (laughs) I was on every page and kind of all coming from eye language and and things like that. So um, I think clients have found it really, um, well, I think the aesthetic is better for one on the new website. So it's, it's more aesthetically pleasing, which I think is drawing people in. Um, But then also we broadened out the language just a little bit, not to a generalist level, but um, also a little bit less focused on Erica centric (laughs) and made it a little bit, um, I think to where people can understand it just a little bit differently. And it speaks to a wider range of couples. So it's been really good. And I think it helped to fill other people so that, um, I think moving into group practice, one of the hard parts, and I've heard this from a lot of other group practice owners too, is that everybody wants to work with the main person (laughs) or the owner 
or the person who's who used to be solo practice that's now moving into group practice. Everybody wants to work with Erica. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely a challenge to, I think, present the information in a way that, hey, we're all a team. We're all highly trained in these things. Um, you know, we only have people here that are follow these values and have these same sets of ideals and training and those mm-hmm. sorts of things. Let's talk about the aesthetics for a second. What were some things that you did um, to like come up with the aesthetic for the new site? Cause you move from the Squarespace made this transition. They have like a 7.0 and a 7.1. 7.1 has some additional design elements. And so you moved over to the, the newer one for some design elements, but you chose very different pictures, uh, very different images. It was a very different vibe, gorgeous vibe, but what were things that you did? Did you start making mood boards on Pinterest? Did you start cutting things out? Did you just start kind of looking and playing with what was happening? Like, what did you do to find what kind of aesthetic you wanted to have on the new site? I basically just started playing. So, you know, I think it's really great that Squarespace, they'll keep your old site live while you're working on changing your new site. (laughs) So you can be doing it all on the backside um, and it doesn't affect anything that's happening. Like, yeah on the web. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I would just start plugging things in. Um, my new site has, I used to try to make a lot of things. Like I think I thought somewhere in my brain, I was some kind of graphic designer in hiding or something. <laughs> like, <laughs> so I would try to play around in Canva and make like, um, graphics and stuff, which I don't think was terrible, but yeah. I, <laughs> I definitely like the, um, cleaner, I think, look of pulling some similarly styled photographs um, that all kind of go together. They all make sense together. And then having the overlay, which kind of takes down the saturation of the photo and everything just looks cohesive, I think. Mm-hmm. And was there ever a time when you were like, maybe I should hire someone, hire out and see a designer? What made you decide to say like, no, like I can really do this and, and create something beautiful? I think um, I knew enough and we had boot camp going on <laughs> right around the same time and then I had access to you through our coaching so mm-hmm. um I feel like uh I guess with the tech and with the aesthetics and the copy I never got frustrated enough to where I felt like I wasn't I wasn't able to do it myself I felt like I had the skills and the capability and the extra support that I needed to be able to do that um I do think as I grow something I've been considering is hiring it out at some point to do things that are more functional that I just don't know how to do. Yeah. But I didn't need that. So I guess back to the minimalism thing, right? Like I didn't need bells and whistles. We just needed something like functional and simple and attractive. And I think that that's what I ended up getting. Yeah, it is. It's a gorgeous website. It's anytime that um, it pops up and people are talking about things in your website, it's always something they comment on is how how beautiful it is. Um, Yeah. So what advice would you give to um, another therapist who is in that place of expanding from solo to group practice and they're trying to figure out and make their way through the website journey and decisions? Mm, I think it's a good question. So I just got an email from a colleague over the weekend. Um, He was saying, he knows I made this transition to group practice website and he's got his domain. He's got everything ready to go. He's just scared to pull the trigger because he's afraid mm-hmm. of seeing like a dip in traffic and responsiveness mm-hmm. on website. Um, and so he was just kind of asking me about that in my experience. And so basically I was like, you just got to go for it. <laughs> like it um, I think it brings in 
definitely a different audience, but I think a bigger audience to be able to have more faces to look at. I think more connection, more stories, uh, more personalities. And I think different people will find what they need on this website. Um, and that's what you need for a group practice because you need more clients coming in and more clients calling. So there is still the attract and repel, but you, but now you have more people to be able to do that. And so you need more attracting people mm -hmm. than you needed with your individual website. Mm -hmm. What a lovely thing. How does it feel that people are reaching out to you and saying, Hey, you've done this. And they're reaching out to you for advice and guidance and, and encouragement. I mean, it's still pretty weird because I do have the little imposter syndrome, like I think most other therapists do, um, where you're like, oh, me? I think you sent the wrong person an email. <laughs> but it feels good. Yeah. It feels good because um, I am proud of the website and I'm proud of what I'm building and have built. And, um, you know, I didn't, I wasn't sure if we could get there. And you did. Yeah. <laughs> Still. <laughs> still a work in progress, but it's here. And that's for everything, right? I think that's the piece of, of our websites, just like our offices or just like our staff or what have you, you wouldn't say like, okay, here are your two, your two staff members and you can't hire anyone else ever again. They can't leave. You can't fire them. We're all here together for the end of time. We would say that's ridiculous. But sometimes we think that about our website, that it's something that is static and that it, we have to commit to that, that we can't adjust it, tweak it. And it's like, no, we really can. And it's a lovely thing. But I think playing around with some ideas, like there's space there, right? To do a new offering or sell an ebook or whatever. And if it doesn't work, okay, no big deal. It's like a minute of a click on the backside <laughs> and then it's gone. Yep. You move on, move on from there. Right. Well, Erica, I'm so delighted that we got to um, catch up and that people got to hear um, about your lovely website journey and your group practice. If um, you are looking for more support, uh, we have a website for therapists checklist that's for free. You can check it out in the show notes wherever you're listening to this podcast, um, or you can go to zinnime.com forward slash podcasts and find it over there. We've got, yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out for you. Um, know that you're needed out there in the world, therapists, and that you can have a happy, not crazy stressful life and practice and the people that really desperately and deeply need you in particular. So um, whatever we can do to help you get out into the world, we are here for it. Until next time, bye. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Starting a Counseling Practice podcast. Just a reminder, if you want some support in your private practice, we have an upcoming free training on creating a subpoena process. So check it out at zinnime.com and we'll see you next time.